My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. It's Geek Stuff, TNG. What the fuck is a reboot? We're gonna be rolling out a lot of new things. Where the stars in this piece of shit? Oh, are you? I am the sandwich. No one of consequence. You can find me on Xbox at Fat Dumbledore. <laughs> you know what keeps going through my head? Where's my sandwich? To all who come to this happy place, welcome. I am West Coast. How the hell did I get roped into this? Show me what you got. Scotty, beam me up. The force is strong with this one. And I am Big Kev. Hail to the king, baby. Yo, that kid Monty is fired. I have Amigo Isis action figure. Almighty Isis. And here we go. going to be a spooky episode or at least a kind of sad episode because there's a lot of death out there and rice died and rice died yeah at age 80 like interview with the vampire and rice yeah exactly wow i don't think i heard that yeah i mean you know goth kids across the world are just beside themselves and their white face paint Wow, I just I didn't know was she ill? I, I you know, I don't know. I don't I don't let me see if the, what it says the, the I didn't I don't remember what the cause of death was. I just you know, went off on my own uh into my own little world of all the vampire fiction I've read ever since then that's all based on her triad, right? It's always a love triangle and it seems like it's all comes right out of interview with a vampire, right? Right. Complications from a stroke. Oh, well, that's too bad. Yeah, I mean, I was I was a huge I was obsessed with the Anne Rice vampire novels in in high school, and I mean, she just kept cranking them out. And so, I mean, I read I read so many of them until one day I finally kind of said, "Oh, I'm I'm over it," and I just kind of stopped reading them. But oh man, in high school, that was all I could all I could read, all I could think about was vampire fiction, and to to the point where. In my junior year of high school, and it was AP English, and we were writing all the different styles of poetry over the course of the semester, and I just, just to be weird, I wrote every single one of my poems was a vampire poem, which led the class to kind of think I was a little weird. They were probably right about that part. Yeah, I don't know. That was way before me, so. (laughs) I mean, technically, I think Interview with a Vampire came out as a novel in 1977, so... I mean, it, Did it it had been out like the the first the trilogy right interview and the vampire Lestat right. and Queen of the Damned um, you know they'd been out for a while by the time I read them in high school, but then like I said she just continued to crank them out and I don't know how many books are in the vampire series by the time she was 100. done yeah and then and then she she also went on to write you know she wrote like the Mummy and a few other like kind of supernatural and then she, for I think she I don't know if she became born again but she started writing. 
very religious novels towards the end. Like there was a lot of oh. a lot of Christianity in the books. And so again, obviously I wasn't reading anything there, but again, I think that uh, you know, there wouldn't be Buffy without Anne Rice. There wouldn't be Twilight without Anne Rice. I mean, you know, what we do in the shadows. I mean, all of these vampire uh, themes. Uh, oh, and then one of my favorites, uh, Forever Night. Did you ever watch Forever Night? Are you... No. I, I mean, I recall it, but I never watched it. That that was, I mean, almost, it was almost a lift of the characters from Interview with a Vampire. Just, you know, two, two male vampires and a female vampire and a... Uh, you know, a love triangle and flashbacks. I mean, it just had everything. But so anyway, yeah, I, I, that was that was sad news to see uh, that Anne Rice had passed away. Vampires suck. <laughs> it, wasn't that the original title of Dracula Dead and Loving It, or was there a parody movie called Vampires Suck? I, I honestly don't. I, I don't know. I don't think that was. No, the the Mel Brooks one was Dead and Loving It. Right. Right with Leslie and Nielsen. I, right? I don't know that it had another one other than that. I just remember um, there was a um, there was a uh, triumph, the insult comic dog, interviewing Bon Jovi at a concert in the Meadowlands in New Jersey. He was backstage, and he said something to Bon Jovi about Bon Jovi had just. I think the movie had just, I think Vampires had just opened, which was... Uh, John Carpenter's Vampires? John Carpenter movie, right? And and John Bon Jovi is in it. And uh, I remember Triumph saying something along the lines of, you know, wow, actually, he goes, finally, a role that requires you to suck. <laughs> which I thought was hysterically funny, so... Triumph um, is yeah. hysterically funny. Triumph is always quality. I agree. Yeah. Well, so and with that, we will bring this episode of no. Well, what we should say is uh, that this is episode six hundred and something sixty three, six six three, as we edge ever closer towards the uh, the the number of our master and lord. You know, the, the vampire episode would have been so good if it was episode 666. But I know. You know a, a if couple Anne Rice could have held on three weeks, it yeah. would have worked. Exactly. Uh, you may notice, or maybe not, that the sandwich uh, is not joining us right now. He'll pop in uh, when he's available. This is my fault. This is not the sandwich's fault. This is my fault. Uh, I have a heart out today. So Scott and I are kicking the festivities off a little earlier. Um, so not, not, not the fault of the sandwich this time, this time, this time, yeah, we'll give, we'll give him a break this time. The stress that it is this time, just saying. Yeah. We should uh, run through the social medias, right? Uh, be sure and follow the the show on the Facebooks, Twitter, Instagram. You can find us at geek stuff, TNG, and all of those places. If you really want to support the show, be sure and like and subscribe on whatever podcaster you use. You can leave a positive review there. You can also support the show on the Patreons. For a dollar a month on the Patreon, you can have access to the show's private Discord server where you can chat with us. Uh, for $3 a month, you get no, the early no one is, special. No one is at Kev'd me, so I think I'm caught up. Yes, true. If you do want to get Kev's attention, you have to at mention him over on the Discord. Uh, you get the early bird special for $3 a month. That is 
this show comes out typically the day after we uh, record it. Although last Monday I got it out on Monday night. I just edited it right Ooh, when we were done. Oh, get you! It was like a new record. Boom! Immediately uploaded the episode to the Patreon. Uh, for five dollars a month, it's the bonus round. You get uh, the sandwich shop, and uh, twice a month you get the vintage episodes of Big Kev's Geek stuff. That is episode sixty-nine. <laughs> That's going to come out on the fifteenth. So the first and the fifteenth, you get a, a vintage episode. Uh, you're still walking the earth in episode sixty-nine. You're not around. It's just what, uh, was fantastic. I ever on that show? I, early on, you took a lot of time off. You know, I don't know why. I want to know why I wasn't there. I mean, yeah, because this is now, this is the week after Comic Con, so maybe you stayed in San Diego a little bit longer I don't, in two thousand seven. No, I honestly. I honestly, I mean, it's entirely possible, but I just, it, it just seems odd that I would, I don't think I was gone that long. <laughs> well, I don't know. What day did you record back then? Wednesdays, I think. Huh? Yeah. You right. Did. Cause that's new comic book day. So I'm pretty sure it was Wednesday. All right. Well, uh, you know, and it's a mystery. Maybe on episode uh, 70, we'll find out the answer of where you were walking the earth. Well, we can, you know, like, uh, as soon as uh, OG can grace us with his presence to talk about Wheel of Time, which I haven't checked out yet. Have you checked that out yet? No, I haven't. Again, I'm not familiar with it, so it's not, it's hard for it to get to be a big priority when there's other things that, that I want to, to check out. So right. I'll kind of wait for it to maybe have the whole season and then binge it when I get some time. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in it because, again, it's it's a fantasy story that I don't know anything about. So hopefully, right. if it's well done, it's going to be, you know, new new characters for me and I'll enjoy it. Well, here's hoping. But, yeah, uh, yeah what I, 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 I reached out to uh, His Holiness OG and he said that he would grace us with his presence to talk about Wheel of Time. Because if there's anyone on the planet that knows Wheel of Time, it's OG. OG had a replica wheel of time sword at one point nice i'm sure i'm right about that but i honestly i don't know a thing about it i don't know anything about wheel of time so you know we really do need the expertise of og um but you know we'll give him a little time maybe i'll give him another week and tell him that we'd like to have him on after yeah well i mean I guess we'll jump into that when we talk about some of the other news. Let me let me finish sure. up. Let me finish up the, the the plugs there, right? So for ten dollars a month, it's the page, it's the Instagram live, which is yes. what we're doing right now, with or without the sandwich. You get to see the show uh, as we record it, uh, typically on Monday nights. So, all right. So let's typically. let's jump back to uh, celebrity death. There was another a major death this week. Um, heir to the liquid paper whiteout fortune well that one i did hear yeah, yeah. mike nesbitt the, uh, the only monkey i never met oh really you never met the well, only the, the only monkey i think that didn't do this show i mean right because he didn't he didn't really need to travel right because he had family money i mean that was the whole thing right that was why he was not really there is he didn't need yeah it. yeah he didn't yeah that was that was kind of that was the word on the street i mean i didn't hear anything to counteract that um but yeah, he um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the only monkey that did not appear at one point or other on this program. I'm pretty sure all the rest, yeah, all of them did. So, so let me ask you this: When Sandwich gets here, first of all, will he know who the monkeys are? Maybe. <laughs> will he know? Highly if, unlikely. But if we say Mike Nesmith, he won't know who that is, right? 
Doubtful. And no. then thirdly, will he know what liquid paper is? No, I don't think. No, I think this is across the board no on this one, I think. He'll go he'll go 0 for 3 on that. You know, it's funny though when you think about it, it's like, okay, you're rich from liquid paper and then a decade later that product is almost completely useless, right? Does anybody even use it anymore? Well, I mean, y- you know, probably not, but you know, that said, uh it it had its time. You know, the guy that created the 8 track, I'm sure. <laughs> made his money while the making was good and then got the hell out because you know they replaced it that's right okay well let's jump into the next segment here let's get the fun the fun production geek stuff what's in the news so west side story was meh at the box office was it 10 million only 10? Yeah, wow. 10 and I, a half. I can't say I can't say as I'm surprised, but I think that number will go. I think it will I think it will remain at least a little bit consistent for a, well, no, because Spider-Man's about to hit. So By the way, this is an update. Uh one, Ghostbusters is actually playing on this island. Have you seen so, it? So, uh I'm actually going to get out I think Wednesday or Thursday this week. I'm actually going to get out there to see it. Because it's the other side of the island from where I am. And then I have found out that they are having Spider-Man. And not only are they having Spider-Man, they're having it like the day it opens. So I might even see Spider-Man on opening day. I don't know. I got to make those arrangements too. Did you pay $25,000 for your tickets like somebody else did on eBay? Yeah, I don't. I mean, just some dumb shit paying that much money for movie tick i mean for god's sake wait a few days it'll be fine you yeah. know it'll be fine dude i just can't Twenty five thousand. i cannot fathom what what reason you would do that because if- you thought it was pesos <laughs> maybe like what i mean i can't i can't even imagine what what possible motivation there could be to spend that much on i just i don't i'm i'm, I'm at a loss yeah, I mean, you know, so so speaking of movies, I was able to get out to see Encanto this week. We took the kids to see Encanto, Disney's new, uh, new a, movie. Is that a Disney thing? Yeah, that's that's the new animated feature, and it was really good. Again, it, uh, music and uh, by Lin Manuel Miranda, right of Hamilton fame. Is this is this a Mexican story? Uh, yes, like, like that last one. It's with the dead. It's not like Coco, but it is. It is about a family, and they, their, the grandmother, the abuela, is saved by a miracle, and then that miracle then builds a their house, their casita. That oh is yes, alive. yeah, I remember the trailer for this now. Yeah, yeah, and then they all get kind of a special power, and so we we went out to see that last week, and then we were at Disneyland over the weekend, and Mirabel, the uh, main character from. Uh, and Kanto was there for a meet and greet, and that meet and greet experience was very nice. So um, again, I would strongly recommend if you like Disney movies and or if, and or if you have kids, and Kanto was really good. I really enjoyed it. Did you get the signed toy? Oh, we did not get a signed toy. We just uh, uh, we just took the kids to the parks and let them meet the characters. Th- this time of year. Oh, oh, it's not the actress. It's like a person in a suit. Well, it, she's a face character, so it, it's. It's not like a suit. It's, you know, it's Mirabelle, right? It's not the actress who voiced it. No. Okay, okay. No. I was so, confused. So the actress that voices it is, um, she's on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. 
uh, as she's the one that's very deadpan on Brooklyn Nine Nine. I cannot. That's the one. Yeah, which surprises me Jeez. because because again, the, the way she is on Brooklyn Nine Nine, right? You know, she's got yeah, you know, very, very low, no emotion. You know, very deadpan, and it just surprises me that she's the one that that's playing that part. Uh, you know, with with emotion and singing and all that. So yeah. It was very, very both, much both of there. the both of the young ladies on that program are rather fetching. Those two who are in the squad, <laughs> yeah. Hey, and uh, and now joining us uh, is Mister Sandwich. Hello, I've I've made it. How are you doing? I am good. I am good. All is well. Little tired, but is good. Is good. Words hard for simple sandwich. Why are you late? What? 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 Are, are we doing? We can't do the bit now. Damn it! <laughs> Damn it, Scott! Uh, my, I'm not able to drag it where it needs to go. My mouse is uh, Hold on. Let's just do the bit. Do the bit. Just- just needs to be in its own track. It is in like its own track, but I've got to then move around. that track so that it. The time of the night, we turn on the black light. Let the dungeons and the dragons begin. It's DMD. Fighting with the legends of yore. It's DMD. Yeah, so the idea was he'll never, ever think. That right out of the gate <laughs> would be the bit. And I was right. Because if it had fired off, it would have been great. But we gave him too much time to think about it and too much time to be like, wait, what do they do? Wait, they're just asking me nonsense questions. They're, 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 they're setting me up and then just staring like. Now, the, now, the now. That's what is going on in my head during that. Yeah. Now, Scott. Now. I was, I was we trying. We got him now. I need, I need a soundboard. So I need soundboard so I can make it work. I got to get this. I gotta are are we doing out. it now? Is that what's going on now? Or yeah. Are we introducing the book what now is, is there something going on with your hair, Mick Foley? Are you like. It just stuck to my head right now. going to say you got some WD-40 in there or something? Just stuck to my oh, head. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to pull it out. It's all right. Or your hair. <laughs> that's see that's one of the few times kevin has a joke on this program that doesn't hurt my feelings and is genuinely funny it's not fair because i've promised there are certain topics that i have promised that i will not joke about on this program so like the geneva convention anyways folks so <laughs> what we're talking about this week uh the newest D books you, you might uh, have heard the bit strixhaven a curriculum of chaos. This is the much heralded, basically Hogwarts for D and D book, for fifth edition. This is the special edition cover. This is the regular edition cover. I think they've been just real quick point. I feel like they've been stepping up the regular covers lately. Like I feel like I don't think they're so bland and like uninteresting anymore. Like they kind of stand out to me more, which is nice because you know obviously I love the special edition covers, but. You know, for those who can't get it, it's not like they're getting a bland book cover, which is always appealing. So th- that so, special edition cover, real quick, in this yes. one, you know, they're nice, like, leather-bound special editions, but that one looks a little boring because it, it's it's more of a symbol and not an image, right? Don't the other special editions have, like, more of a picture in that style? Not, not all of them. Um, I happen to have one in my backpack. I mean, yeah, I haven't seen all the special oh, editions. Is it is it mine or is it yours? 
No, your the display is yours. Oh, mine's in my backpack. Uh, just for reference, this was uh, Theros. Yeah, see, I mean, that one's a picture, but there have definitely been other special covers that were not picture covers, Scott. Oh, I, I thought they were all kind of in that that black leather-bound style, so that, but that one doesn't look like that. So I guess I no, just they're... didn't realize all the special editions, what they all looked like. Yeah, I think I think they I think they mix it up a bit. I think some of them are symbols and some of them are are artwork. And usually, it, you know, it's something like that Theros book. It's like foil. You know, it's like yeah. every it's like every 1990s special comic book cover. All they got to do is get die, you know, like a die cut and prismatic foil and all the rest <laughs> of the bullshit that they did to comics in the 90s. And then you, so you have Absolutely. to buy multiple versions. Gee, I wonder who who would fall for that. Fuck you, Joe Katata. <laughs> so, back to D&D. Uh so like I said, this is the basically Hogwarts for D&D. I don't know, like it, it's a cool concept. Um and I I am a as a magic fan, I always appreciate since, you know, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast have both IPs magic and dungeons and dragons i think it's something that we should be using so is this related to magic the gathering it is directly from magic the gathering it is okay yes. scoot to your right a little bit sonny Apologies, I'm, losing, I'm losing you yeah but uh, this uh, came out as a magic set early later or earlier this year or, or later last year i forget exactly when okay so it's, it's a more recent set, and it was all about, you know, the magic school and all that. So as something that they don't have in d and D, I don't think they've ever had that in d and because it's kind of a, a very specific niche. Right. It's cool to fit the role. It's cool to fill that space. But enough about what I think. Let's talk about what's in the book. So here's what we, we're dealing with. We're dealing with, of course, introducing the college. It's called a college. And all of your Hogwarts... Uh, classes and schools you know are you a slytherin or you're a gryffindor there's different names for it but basically it's like you get to live out your fantasy of being you know <laughs> uh your harry potterness uh a new race introduced the owl folk so for those who like um what was that what was that um humblewood what was it called humblewood humblewood was way into that like rabid people owl folk people like raccoon people right i think so like I'm pretty sure I remember Humblewood was the one where it's way more like, you know, like fairy tale kind of creature type thing. Only new race introduced, kind of underwhelming personally for me. Uh lots of new couple new feats related to being a student at the school, a couple new spells. And then what it has a lot of is, you know, how to run essentially school in D&D, like how to <laughs> have extracurricular activities how to have jobs, how to study for exams. Uh, there is a system in this book about if you have a love interest, you get special bonuses and polygamy is heavily supported because it stacks. <laughs> Monogamy wow. is dead in D&D. You heard it here first, folks. So, wow. so you're saying that the book encourages you to date multiple people in your high school? Yes, at the same time. Or I guess it's college, but... To become better at magic. So they want you, you to be promiscuous. You have to be yes. slutty to get good at magic. Polygamy is number one. 
That's the title of this week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. I don't think we'll no. go with that. <laughs> um, D&D, then, D&D kills monogamy is probably funnier. That's I could, I could go with that one. <laughs> and then what it has in this book as well, which is honestly a bulk of this book, is adventures that you can run that would take place over the course of a school year. So essentially... They have four adventures, so you get four Harry Potter books. You get oh, uh, I was gonna say, is it is it by year or is it by semester? It's by year. Oh, I see. So you get four years of college adventures, and and then you get some you know some new creatures and all that fun stuff. But I want to roll up a Muggle. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 like the the campaign setting is yes. a wizard school essentially. Yes. Right. So like. You may say, "Oh, our yeah, campaign setting is Hogwarts." Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to compare it to, uh, you know, like, okay, this campaign setting is Neverwinter, or you know, uh, wherever the the location yeah. is. This location happens to be in a school, and, but and all of your characters are going to be students, so you have to have that extra feature in there. But I mean, again, is it is it that there's going to be adventures at the school, like monsters attacking the school? Or is passing your classes, you're playing school, well, who, which is who also... can say you never know what happens at Strixhaven. Also, Mr. All right, so Scott, the, some the, it's a new world too. It takes place in a world that is made made for Strixhaven. So there is stuff to do outside of the campus in theory, but a majority Dude. of the activities are school based. Like you're not Did really we... like. Did we talk a year ago about my about how I run D and D games? We've talked about it in passing a couple times, I believe. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember when, a whole lot of information about that. So let's do it. When when I run a D and D game, first of all, I believe in I believe in the challenge, excitement, and and uh, uh, sort of work involved in creating a character that is 100% randomly generated. And I have spent a long time creating a complete random generation system for characters. And it does it's, it, everything. Everything that can be randomized has been randomized. And the idea behind that is that it's easy to go in and play. I think it's easy to go in and, you know, say like, oh, you know, it, it, I can go in and just be a fighter because I'm just a hack and slash guy. And I'm just, yeah, but okay. So let's say you're a fighter hack and slash guy. And where's the challenge? You know what I mean? If you're playing somebody who is basically yourself with a sword, I don't really find that to be a role-playing challenge. I just think that's sort of just sort of straight up. I'm not that's, just, that's I'm playing not, playing pretend instead of role-playing. Yeah, I think yeah, and I I don't I don't don't get me wrong. I don't dissuade. I wouldn't dissuade anyone from doing that. I'd rather someone play D and D and play it like that than not play it. However, I think it's a much greater challenge, and I had a lot of success with this about a year ago, um, where you where where basically you use this system that I've created to randomly generate characters. And the reason you're able to do it is because the way that I view the D and D world. Now everybody views this as the D and D worlds, plural. I don't, I view it as one enormous giant world. And 
I also view it as um, that there, there is very little crossover between the worlds. So if you think about the earth in say, you know, like the time of the Vikings and that sort of thing in the sense of you didn't see a lot of Vikings in North America, but you know, then you saw a couple, that kind of thing, because it was very difficult. The seas are large. There's other, there's other natural phenomena, be it impassable mountains or improbable winds or oceans or some other sort of natural thing that, uh, that frames these worlds in the sense that, you know, uh, Forgotten Realms is one area of this giant world. And at the ends of those, you know, at the end of those worlds, the ends of those worlds, there is some sort of phenomenon, natural phenomenon that kind of makes the border. And how many people go to the border of the world anyway? Not very many. And if they were to make it to the border of the world because they decided we're going to the border of the world to try to, you know, to see what's there or whatever the reason is, either it's going to be nearly impossible to cross over or they're going to cross over into a way different world. Maybe they cross over into uh, Black Sun. Maybe they cross over into, maybe they fall into Hollow World. Maybe they cross over into Frosthaven. Is that what it is? Is Frosthaven? I'm getting that one right. Uh, what, what was the icy one a year ago? It was Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, but that, I forget. It was in, it wasn't Neverwinter. That world. Was. But that, that's the point. They could, you know, maybe they have found a way to cross into that world. And so what makes the random generation, the random character generation thing, really work also is the fact that you could be a race that the people around you have never seen. You know, like if you're a, if you're, if you're an elf, let's, let's just use this example. If you're an elf from dark sun, they are drastically different than elves from any other D and D setting. So what if all of a sudden you're an elf from dark sun and you turn up in the middle of forgotten realms or Frosthaven, or whatever it's called, uh, or, or 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 anything, and that I think is a more of a role playing challenge, and it worked out really well. It also causes players or asks players really to do some investigation. And believe me, every single thing you need to know about anything in D and D, pardon me, D and D is online, and it's online for free. So, so I had guys, I had guys playing races I've never even heard of. And I made the dumb list. <laughs> I had no idea what they were. And I was like, you got to go find it. You got to go find it, figure it out, because I have no idea what this is. And then once you have all of those random uh, uh, things accounted for, how are you going to then, you know, integrate all of this information into one character? That's a role-playing challenge. Not, I'm a short guy and I like fighting, so I'm going to play a dwarf. You know, oh, I'm kind of peaceful, you know, and religious, and but looking for adventure, so I'm be a cleric. You know, like, it's not, I just don't, I, I, I find those things a challenge if you've 
first played, maybe. But I also think it's an interesting challenge for new players as well to go, okay, well, this is what you are. Now go figure it out. So anyway. So just to put that back in perspective, what you're saying is that you don't see a, a, a multiverse where all of these different campaign settings are not connected. You see nope. one giant world where they just think of it know, like they, World they not, of Warcraft. Yeah, they may not think know of it the like other ones World exist. of Warcraft. That's the best example I can give you. Is just like World of Warcraft, they bring a new area into World of Warcraft. Suddenly, an area that was formerly all ocean is now part of that world, and you can get there. However, it is you can get there. It's I view it the same exact way. And yeah. Maybe that wasn't discovered before now because of all these natural phenomena or maybe one person, you know, maybe one being from one world was able to cross over into another uh, in some manner or fashion, accidental or otherwise, magic or otherwise. And then, you know, like, I think that's more of a challenge than just straight up. Oh, I'm an elf. Uh, I'm a high elf uh ranger you know like it just i don't dissuade that i just think it's more challenging to be like i had some guy and this is not an exaggeration i got in the last campaign that i ran he was um i can't remember what they're called but they're like turtle people they're like ninja turtles and the guy was an assassin in that race so you can guess where that character went <laughs> And it's true. And it's and it was really great. And it was complete. It was 100% random. There was no jury rigging or anything like that. We all watched it roll up together. It was amazing. What an amazing thing to have that kind of uh, a familiarity, something you can base a character on. You know, what a great way to kind of bring sort of that into D&D as well. It's another way to do that. Anyway, enough on this D&D tangent. How many pages in this book? Uh, we're clocking in at 244 and a pull-out map, which will never get pulled out of this map. Um, <laughs> out of this book. Never gets pulled out. Um, regular MSRP, you know, about 50 bucks. 49.95. 49.95. Um, of the source books that have come out in recent memory for me, this one kind of lands a little lower than the others. Respectfully, probably in the bottom half. Because like I, I, it do, doesn't do anything for me that... I, I was excited for the idea of this book because it sounded interesting to me. And the idea... like I like Harry Potter. I'm not one of those like big Potter fans, but I did enjoy Harry Potter growing up as a kid. You know, I've read all the books, seen all the movies... So it sounds exciting. It sounds cool to me. Like, oh, cool. I can run Hogwarts for a little bit. And then it turns into, you know, it's not really super interesting to me. Like nothing really jumps out at me. It's Most of this is how to run adventures. Literally starting from page, uh, from page 60 until page 178, which is a good half of the book. It's all about running these adventures. They don't, right. I feel like they don't give you a lot of fluff on how to run the campus. Like, I, I feel think, like I want more fluff. I think that, uh, I think it's fair then to call this more a module book than a setting or, uh, 
Because if, if the thrust of it is, hey, there's these four year adventures, you know, I would think that would be more a module type. Yes, of course, there are elements to it that are um, world building, so to speak. I mean, you could certainly, from my perspective, based on what we were just talking about, I could stick this school anywhere, anywhere. Which is the great part about this. So you yeah. can make this a school. You could change the names and it, yeah. it would function similar. So yeah, that's the know? question. Is this, is this a specific school Strixhaven or is it here's how to set up a magic school? It's so the school is Strixhaven, but I could change it to Hogwarts. It has five schools in the book. I could make it four and functionally it'll be the same. The old one of them, there is a bright spot in this book. There is a new magic item introduced the bottle of boundless coffee <laughs> that wow. is the best part of this book for me secretly because it's just funny you know the, the idea of just a boundless coffee cup for a bunch of college kids just sounds funny to me where, um where is yeah, the where is the wand of adderall there you go <laughs> wand of adderall um where is the pipe you know, so of also pipe there's <laughs> there's <laughs> Pipe you know, of endless could, pot. That's it. Are we just gonna keep just we'll just do college trope magic college tropes all afternoon? The keg of Killians. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh so but you also said it's related to the Strixhaven comes from Magic the Gathering. So like the Magic the, the Gathering. So the I don't know, the lore around Strixhaven was yes. already explored in Magic the Gathering and they just translated it? Is that also true? Yeah, so they 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 took out the elements that were more attached to the story of magic. There were characters in the story that are like magic characters. That has been pulled out, obviously, and they've left oh. the actual like bulk of what is Strixhaven alone. I got um, one. I got one. Based on what Sandwich was saying earlier about the school one would probably want to get a hold of the magic item known as the cornucopia of condoms. I, I was thinking about something about, uh, yeah, not, not catching, like, I guess then, then some of the, uh, some of the creatures could be all the STDs. Yeah. So if you have a good STD or college based magic item, uh, how can they get a hold of us? <laughs> Call the GVM line. I don't want to give the number for that. <laughs> you brought us here. I didn't bring us to STDs. <laughs> Give the line out. one seven three zero two five four seven, or email us or your doctor. <laughs> uh, you can email us at geeksoftng at gmail.com. Oh, boy. Um, um, does that wrap up uh, the D&D segment for the day, gentlemen? Yeah. Final thoughts. Cool book in theory. Uh, Could have done more. What about the black light amulet? So my... Uh, my velvet posters glow. Okay. And then we that's where we stop the D&D section. <laughs> Play the outro. It's D&D. Warriors that terrify. It's D&D. All right. So getting back to the regular news as we moved our D&D segment to the front half, but it really goes not quite nicely because... Uh, a Harry Potter first edition of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone recently sold at auction for a whopping how much? How much do you think a first edition Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone sold for? 
1.2 million. Oh, no, it's it's not quite getting uh first first edition of uh Super Nintendo games money. I'll give it 750. No. 600. Oh. You guys are all according to prices right rules you've all lost and the guy that bid $1 wins. It was 471,000. I have a first American edition, I think. Yeah? I think. I don't know actually. Does I think I know do. why they changed it to Sorcerer's Stone from Philosopher's Stone? Because oh, kids don't like philosophers in the U.S. Duh. Yeah, those those American kids don't like those. Magic isn't philosophy, sir. That's true. Uh, and then, so sticking with Harry Potter, the uh, news trailer for Fantastic Beasts uh, has what Mads Mikkelsen as Grindelwald now, right? That's he's replacing yes. replacing Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what what that one's the the secrets of Dumbledore? That's a weird swap. In my opinion, yeah. How do you go from Johnny Depp to Mads Mikkelsen? I mean, that's just like. First of all, he shouldn't have been fired to begin with. That's number one, you know. And and I still think they should reverse this, but that's me. Uh, And somehow, though, Amber Heard is still in Aquaman too. But apparently, Johnny Depp can't work. Yeah. So. I don't see how you go from Johnny Depp to Mads Mikkelsen. Like, I just don't see how that occurs. So I'm going to wait and see, I suppose. I mean, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen, I mean, right, That's he's Hannibal and he was in Rogue One. Right? I mean, right, he plays kind of quirky characters, but they're, they're, they're downplayed. They're, they're not like over the top, right? They're more quiet and reserved types of characters, Yeah, he's right? he's kind of very sort of deadpan, yeah. I guess, for lack of a better expression. The problem is that he, it's even when he's playing a character like like Galen Erso in Rogue One, I always feel like you know, like we 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 know this is not a spoiler. If you haven't seen it by now, too bad. Uh, you know, he is the one that puts the you know, puts the flaw in the Death Star that they're able to exploit and blow it up in Star Wars. However, um, through the whole movie, I am waiting for him to do something evil. Do you know what I mean? I know he's working for the Empire, and and, and I just, like, right at the end, I'm expecting him to go, well, actually, you've forgotten one thing, and I'm actually the bad guy. You know, I'm waiting for the reveal. It didn't come, but I was waiting for it the whole time because so that's who he comes across as, just an evil dude. He's a better bad guy than a yeah. good guy. Yeah. yeah, and Hannibal and you know, everything else that he's ever what, been in. Was he a Bond bad guy before? Or am I imagining that? Or is that someone else? He didn't do Bond, right? He didn't do a Bond bad guy? I, th- I think he was a Bond yeah, villain I, I, he, I think in he was a Daniel one, Craig Yeah, movie, one of the Daniel Craig he? ones. Was he? I think he was, yeah. Or am, I, am I thinking of someone else? Because I feel like... Yeah, no, the first one, Casino Royale, he was... Yeah, that's what I thought. He was the one that yeah. he was, that he was playing, uh, playing uh, Texas Hold'em against. Was he Casino or Royale? <laughs> Loved Casino, hated Royale. He was uh, Le Chiffre? Le Chiffre. Le Chiffre. I haven't seen any Bond movies. Yeah. He, he was the one that uh, hit James Bond in the balls with a big knotted up rope. That was that was, <laughs> that was his torture. Hey, Sandwich, do you know how they say quarter pounder 
with cheese in France? A Royale with cheese. Why is that? They don't use the metric system or some <laughs> bullshit. I don't know. They do use the, the metric system. You know, before we came out, let's just take a minute before we go to break. Let's just take a minute. Sandwich, we were curious. When Scott and I first signed on, we were talking about something that we wanted to know if you knew anything about. Okay. Scott? So, do you know, I, I guess, if I was going to, if I made a mistake while I was typing yeah. uh, on a regular typewriter, what would I use to fix it? You made a mistake on a typewriter? Yeah. Aren't you fucked? <laughs> that, that, that's all. Okay. That answers the question. The Good. correct answer is liquid paper or whiteout. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever heard of liquid and paper? There's no backspace on a typewriter. <laughs> You're just. Right. You have to. So basically, you use white paint and paint over it and then retype over the spot on your piece of paper. Yeah. You've, you've never used whiteout in your uh, life. Because you? I've only ever seen the, the things in movies where they're like typing and they fuck up. I'm like, ah, they crumble up and they throw it behind them. Right. Yeah. You just have to start over. They crumble and they throw all right. It all right. Them. That's number one. Uh, so, number two, if I say the name. Uh, Mike Nesmith, does that mean anything to you? Why do I know that name? Tall guy, always wore a knit hat. Always wore a knit hat, yep. I know that name. Why do I know that name? Get out of my okay, head, Charles. Let's move, move on to number three. So, so and then it, there was, so Mike Nesmith was in a musical group with Mickey Dolenz and Davy Jones and Peter Tork. Can you name that group? Oh no! That was the monkeys and Mike Nesmith from the monkeys, heir to the liquid paper uh, fortune. Fortune passed away at seventy-eight this week. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, okay, all right. I'm familiar I'm, with the I'm, monkeys. I know the monkeys tangentially. Can you name a, name one monkeys, two monkey songs, other than "Hey Hey" with the monkeys? Uh, you can't brass that. monkey, that funky monkey. No, that would not be one. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up real quick. No, all right. oh, no, come on, cheater! If you don't know, you don't know. It's okay. I I don't know these name. I don't know any of these songs by name. I might know them by sound. Yeah. All right. Cheer up, sleepy Jean. Oh, what can it mean to a daydream believer and a homecoming queen? Oh, yeah. How about the first Shrek movie? What was the big song in the first Shrek movie? The big song in the first Shrek movie? Yeah. <laughs> Are you seriously asking me I'm that? I'm seriously asking, asking you what it was. It was... I'm it a was a cover of a monkey song. Yeah. Was it? <laughs> hey, now you're an all-star? No, that is Smash Mouth, and that is not the monkey. That's, that's, that's who covered it. That's the big it. song from my generation. <laughs> that's who covered it, I think. Isn't it Smash Mouth who did the cover for it, Shrek? It, it may have been. Yeah, you know what? I, I do think you're right. It, it was Smash Mouth that did the that covered it. So, yeah, all the right. big song for Shrek was the was the like, hey, now you're an all star. No, was not all star. That one. <laughs> all right. Well, what it was, Scott? It, it was, it, yeah, it was, uh, I'm a believer by the monkeys huh? is the song that was from in Shrek. But it was covered, yeah, covered I'm by I'm a believer. Shrek. I could oh, leave her if I tried. tried. Yeah, that one. I saw her, but yeah, end of the that first one. one. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was Smash Mouth. That, 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 that was uh, Eddie Murphy singing it as Donkey. I would have also accepted if you had said Hallelujah by um, uh, by by what's his name? Leonard Cohen? Oh, no, <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, no, what's his name? Yeah, yeah that, that's one. Leonard Cohen. Leonard Cohen? Is that who first recorded he, yeah. that song? Yeah. Oh, I always think of the Buckley version. The uh, what's his name? I can't remember. The guy that died in one album. I can't remember his name now. Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley. Yes. Wow. Sandwich coming I through. That. I googled that. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't have faith so, in me. It was. It. it was not the Jeff Buckley. It was the Jeff Buckley version of the song, but not sung by Jeff Buckley in that movie. So, so. one more before we go to so, break. Sandwich. Donkey singing. Eddie Murphy. What was his yes. big hit? He actually had a, uh, I would, I believe, a top ten. Oh, my musical girl hit. wants to party all the time, party all the time, party all the time. Okay, okay. and for and for bonus points, who produced it? Mm, oh, good question. Mm, I know this person. That's <laughs> the question. I'm gonna give you a hint. Ready? Yeah. Here's an. This is an audio hint. Din in it, din it, din in it, din in it. Oh, yeah. Din it, din in it. MC Hammer did it. <laughs> oh, God. oh my God! No. Oh, it sounded like you were doing. Yes, can't... MC Hammer sampled that for his song "Can't Touch This," um, but I was referring to the, the guy, original. The guy, I'm Rick James. That's it. I, yeah, James. that's his full name. I'm Rick James. That's correct. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm Rick James. James bitch. Oh boy, what did the five fingers say to the five face? Say to the face. Smack. <laughs> All right, Kev, can right. take us to break, and, please? And with that, we're going to take us to break, but I'm going to take me to out of here. So uh, you guys have a lovely rest of the show, and uh, I will see Do you, you next media week. Because we're not going to remember it. What? Do what? Your social medias. Give what? Do what? Your social media. You'll do it at the end. Why do I, I don't do know yours? God, I am the talent here. Okay, I'm fine. the talent. And Scott knows my social media. Do you know my social media, Scott? Uh, it is uh, BK Geek Stuff on everywhere, everywhere, Xbox. and then Xbox. It's uh, Geek Stuff. BK Big Kev GS. Big Kev GS on yeah. Xbox. How many? By the way, just before we go, how many people exactly are using your Xbox account, Sandwich? Because it seems like every time I'm playing a game, every five fucking seconds, you come online. It's only one house. I'm just saying. They probably just turn it on and off. Off, on, off, on, off, on. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, we will bring this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 663, the one we're calling D&D Kills Monogamy, to a break. And we'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Yeah. We need to get the word out that the listeners can be involved with Geek Stuff TNG directly by using our GVM line. 201-730-2547. Hmm. Maybe we could use our seductive voices? Huh? Our what? All right. Here. Let's read these lines in our most seductive voices. Like this. Hey there. We want you to be a part of Geek Stuff TNG with your 
questions and your hmm comments. Oh! <clears throat> That's right. We want you to tell us what's hmm on your mind. What we are doing that you <laughs> like. <coughs> So call us on the GVM line, 201-730-2547, and you may hear yourself uh, on an upcoming episode of Geek Stuff TNG. <laughs> wow. Wow. What? Okay, here we go. I'm James Hatton. And I'm Podcast Rob. And we're the Something Something Cast. We're a pop culture podcast that chats about movies, comics, TV, music, video games, and a whole lot more. Check us out at our home at somethingcast.com. And also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and other fine podcatchers as well. Proud members of Hashtag Pottern Family and ACPN, the art, comedy, and pop culture podcast network. Okay, here we go. Hey, Geek Stuff listeners. It's West Coast Scott here. Did you know I do a podcast with my lovely wife? Say hi, Brittany. Hi. Tell them about our podcast. We do a weekly podcast where we talk about travel, conventions, Disneyland, and our growing family. It's called the PieCast because we got married on Pie Day, and it's available wherever you find your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. At Pie Day Family. And my new Twitter handle is at Pie Day Scott. Check us out. Build your own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. And now, another classic Geek Stuff ID. Let's Hi, hello. This is Patricia Quinn from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and you're listening to Big Cav's Geek Stuff. In another dimension, with voyeuristic intention, well secluded. Geek Stuff TNG. Live from the sandwich shop and party production in sunny Southern California, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, here's from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is in 118th scale, making it the only fully scaled fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your three and three quarter Star Wars action figures. This X-Wing features many amazing details like the proton torpedo bay, working engine lights, and a light-up R2-D2. You can add your own boops, bops, and beeps. The S-foils open into attack position. The laser cannons simulate firing and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their premium offer. You get 1/18th scale hangar accessories to create a detailed display of your X-wing, including crates, tanks, personal transporter, 
landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as several static figures, including ground crew members and even Luke Skywalker himself. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get four full color magazines featuring instructions for the parts you've received, fascinating articles about the original models used in the movies, and more. You can collect these great source materials in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions, and I don't need to tell you the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month as well as having fun putting it together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildxwing.com or reach them by phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. Abbreviated version because time yes, is and, an asset. And uh, so, yeah, Mr. Kev had uh, a hard out, so he has left us to finish up the show without him. So that means that we can uh, work quickly through things. We can we can mention that the HasLab Rancor failed and then move on to another topic, and we won't have to go on a half-hour yeah. to 45-minute tirade on HasLab, right? Oh, it's nice. It's nice. <laughs> it's nice to break things up like that. Um, so let's see. Let's, let's pick up on a little bit of the other news. We'll probably talk about this more when Kev comes back, but... Um, this week, I saw a hashtag trending that was recast T'Challa, right? Yes. And along with that is the news story that Letitia Wright, the actress that plays Shuri, refused to get vaccinated and therefore caused some problems on the set because Disney had a vaccine mandate, but she's, you know, the star of Black Panther 2 and was refusing to get vaccinated. So that caused a lot of trouble. And so the article that I saw said she's basically done in the MCU after Black Panther 2. And we don't know really what the story of Black Panther 2 is. Are they going to give the mantle to Shuri? Are they going to move it to M'Baka or some of the other one of the other characters? But so the, the, the gist of what I saw in the articles and, and on the hashtag was, although it's sentimentally, it means a lot that Marvel said we're not going to recast because of our respect for Chadwick Boseman, but also losing the character of T'Challa that's a part that could be played by another strong black actor. So let's do that. Like that's the feeling now is we can still respect and love Chadwick Boseman, but keep the character of T'Challa and Black Panther moving forward positively in the MCU. Mm -hmm. So again, I think we can talk about that next time, but have you seen anything on that or do you have any thoughts on that? I think that I don't think recasting is the best move, but I think giving the mantle to someone if it's M'Baku, if it's a new character that maybe we're not thinking of, or I have a personal opinion, I, I am biased because I do like Michael B. Jordan a lot. I would support bring back Killmonger for the role, but I understand if they don't want to do that. I'm not against it. I, that's my personal bias. I like that idea because I like the actor. So I'm fully accepting my bias and not saying it's the best answer either. But, you know, I think recast i don't know if recasting is the way i support it if they do i just i i feel like the better way would be to like evolve it into it being mbaku or like i said another young actor or you know anything else if i think if they go younger though that could be great too because then you could really have him develop into a black panther you know what i mean if they get someone who's in the 20s to 30s range you know, they can really build him into that for a while. You can have him really go through like 
of the Black Panther evolution. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, I mean, it's also possible that uh, in a future movie, it would be Black Panther's son, right? Yeah. That, that uh, you know, but... I, so, again, I'm not going to try to rewrite the, the stories and, and, and figure out how they do it, but I, I, I think that when... Chadwick Boseman passed away. I think everybody said, "Oh yeah, well we'll just pass it to Shuri because she's a great character, and then you can have a strong female character, and that's all good." But then because the actress the is causing ended. problems, then yeah. it's like, "Oh well, then we can't do that because you know Disney's not going to work with her." So that you know, so again, it's real life, but both with the death of Chadwick Boseman and uh, you know the actress causing issues, real life is is driving the direction of the MCU. And that's not what anybody wants, not the creators of the, you know, I'm sure Kevin Fahey would much prefer that Chadwick was still around to play the part, right? That's what everybody oh, wants, yeah. but that's, that's off the table. So what's going to be the, the best move for the storytelling? And I think that remains to be seen. And suddenly the Wakanda Royal family dies in a car crash or something. Right. And... I, I mean, again, so do you, do you just recast it, both characters, right? Uh, Shuri and T'Challa and just move on. Uh, you know, but again, it also depends on what they do in Black Panther Two. Oh, you know, they yeah. may have, they may have painted themselves in the corner there, right? If they if they have T'Challa die in Black Panther Two and the mantle gets passed to Shuri, then you know I don't have a problem uh, recasting Shuri recast. for for Black Panther Three and just having her pick up the mantle, right? Because that's what everybody was okay with. So, um, so we'll see what happens there. I think we'll probably talk about that a little more next week when Kev's back. Um, yes. I was also saying that this is kind of a spooky episode uh, because, again, Anne Rice, the writer of the uh, Vampire Chronicles, passed away this week. Um, but there ta there's talks of The Mummy Part 4 with Brendan Fraser now that he's getting this, this kind of resurgence, right? He's like, okay, so do you you know Pulp Fiction resurrected... Um, Travolta. Travolta, right? It yes. kind of feels like... That uh, Brendan, Fra you know, Brendan Fraser kind of was out of the spotlight for a while. We just right? CPR'd his career. Yeah, and, and he's and he's coming back. You know, Doom Patrol. He's going to be uh, in Batgirl. Is it Batgirl or Batwoman? But he's going to be in one of those. And, and so it just feels like 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 there, it's a renaissance of Brendan Fraser. And so they're talking about making a Mummy Part Four at this point. I support it I, respectfully because I am a huge Brendan Fraser fan. I don't know if he's like physically fit for the role right now not saying he can't get back into the physically fit nature of the role but that's kind of like hardcore not saying he can't once again and i'm with hollywood magic anyone be, can, can get a glorious six-pack and chiseled abs um it's just you know getting there right it's uh, called acting you just act like you have chiseled yes. abs and they put they fix it in post and then they rachel weiss did you see the third one she got recast in the third movie, I think, right? They replaced. Oh no, I, I, you know, I did not see the third Mummy movie. I, I don't even know Rachel if I saw the second Weiss, one. The second one, Rachel Weiss was in the first and second one. I'm pretty sure. Then she got recast for the third. Mm, yeah, well, and I mean, I wonder if they would, if if they would reunite them, or if maybe she, they don't. She doesn't want to come back because they recast her. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm excited for the idea because I think the, the mummies were fun for me. I never cared if the acting was good or the story was good. It's just stupid fun. You know, so it's exactly what it needs to be. Just a silly action movie. I wonder if this is also them trying to revive the the uh, the what was the monster universe they were trying to make up with? Um... Well, I, I feel like it would be. Is this a Universal Picture? It is. It is a Universal Picture. So maybe it's uh, 
the nail in the coffin of that shared oh, yeah, cinematic universe, get, right? Because right, technically, they did make a mummy for that. I completely forgot that the movie they made to start it was a mummy movie. <laughs> well, now hold on though, but there's also going to be a Renfield movie with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and um, and Nicholas Holt is Renfield. Nicholas Cage, I think, is going to be Dracula. And that's that's yeah. in, that's the monster universe, right? So that's the the one that had the the mummy with Tom Cruise and what was that connected to? Did, did they make a Doctor Jekyll? Didn't Doctor Jekyll like he have an appearance in the, mummy. in the mummy? Right? Like I haven't seen any yeah, of these. Um, what was the other monster what? movie that they did? The Invisible Man was that in that universe? I don't know if that one was. I know what the hell is his name? The guy from Gladiator. He was Jekyll and he was Jekyll and Hyde. Yes, right. Um, what the f- what the hell is his name? Um, oh, sh- Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe, the Gladiator. I'm Gladiator. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I totally support. Uh, you know, a new mummy movie. I don't know if I support the the Universal monster movie averse, but. I mean, if it works, it works. Maybe this is the revival. Maybe. Wait, get this, get this. We get a movie of Mummy versus Mummy. We bring back the <laughs> one from the Tom Cruise movie. It's the new Godzilla versus King Kong. We bring back the Mummy, the guy who played the Mummy in the old Mummy movies, and then we have them fight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I mean, yeah, I, I, Mummy versus Mummy, I think sounds it sounds good. Yes. Um Imhotep, right? The mum, I mean, the first Mummy yeah, movie. Imhotep. It was a, it was a good action comedy, right? I mean, you know, it, it's it's it was funnier than it was a big action movie, right? Yes. You know, like like the Tom Cruise mo- movie. I'm sure was not funny at all, but <laughs> I, I didn't see that one. Looks like I have all the horses. Hey, Benji, look who's on the wrong side of the river. I love that movie. I really do love that movie. Is that wh- which one is that from? That's the first one. That is the first mummy. Yes. All right. I I'm just know, lo- I'm just looking for who which which movies were in that new shared universe. I don't think Invisible Man got in it. I think it was just they tried to do it like they did with the DC universe with Green Lantern it was supposed to be the start and then it died immediately. I think I think it was a similar vein with the mummy. All right. Kind of. Well, uh, you know, hey, if you know which movies fall in the new shared universe, give us a call on the GVM line. 201-730-2547. Yeah, and then be on the lookout for more information about Renfield with Nicolas Cage's Dracula, and I think Aquafina is going to be in it as well. So um, hmm. she's she's everywhere. I mean, she's really blowing up. I, I like Aquafina. I, everything that I've seen her in uh, from The Farewell and Raya and the Last Dragon and Shang-Chi, I think she's... Re- She's very funny and she's very good. So I, I'm a fan of Aquafina. I support it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Moving on to the streaming services. So uh, Ming-Na Wen was talking about uh, the book of Boba Fett. And uh-huh. she said basically they're not like Boba Fett and uh, Finnick. Uh, what's her last name? Finnick Shand. Um, they're not the good guys or the bad guys, she said. So that kind of, I mean... So, so the many saints of Tatooine. The many saints of Tatooine. They're going to be somewhere in the middle. Yes. Yeah. I. I mean, you know, anti-hero maybe. You know, there's people worse than them, and there's people better than them in the Star Wars universe yeah. as far as good and evil, right? So I'm. I'm looking forward to to that. Maybe I really there'll be like a that. sheriff character who like tries to be the, the, the you know the good guy, right. and then maybe there's you know some kind of 
more evil uh, space mafia somewhere. I, I wonder if Cobb, Cobb Vance is that is that the name of the sheriff character? Um, was that on the same planet though? No, yeah, yeah. He was he was the one that had Boba Fett's armor that you know he gave him oh, back yeah. to right. Um, yeah. Played by Timothy Oliphant. I wonder if he'll show up in Book of Boba Fett. I hope he does. Timothy, uh, you know, I want to see Timothy yeah. Oliphant in anything. Also, um, the other thing that's in uh, in the works is uh, a Star Wars. It's called the Acolyte. It uh, and and it's there's not a lot of plot information around it, but it should be uh, in the High Republic period and maybe the rise of the Sith. So you know, oh. more more Star Wars uh, stuff coming out there. Can can I real quick uh do 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 a, a Star Wars pause but still Disney Plus? Can we talk about Hawkeye episode three right now? Sure. I'm okay with it. If you haven't seen Hawkeye episode three, this might be spoiler material. Let's talk about yes. it. But we're past the embargo for that at this point. Because episode four is out. Yes. Was that not Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin in the beginning of that episode? With the young Echo, I mean, you you have to assume that it it was right. You 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 it absolutely it has to be Kingpin, like him, you, and if it feels like him, yeah. You, I mean, it, although oh, the only thing is that he's wearing a black suit, right? If it would have been yes. a white suit, it would have been an it, absolute it dead dead giveaway. giveaway. Yes, um, but yeah, it, it's and I mean, again, her character in the comics is completely tied to the Kingpin. It all makes sense that Kingpin's going to be the big bad for Hawkeye. Um, I, again, I, I was talking over in the Discord. Um, it seems like the events of Hawkeye taking place around Christmas time in New York are also going to be tied into the events of Spider-Man No Way Home happening around Christmas time in New York. So, Did you see that there was a Daily Bugle stand in Manhattan the other day? Like in real life? In real Some, life. Someone didn't put someone, up a Daily Bugle? I think it was like a legit stand selling like promotional newspapers. Nice. And... It was like the Daily Bugle and all that. It was only there for like a couple of hours, I think, because they all like sold or whatever. Oh, of course, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's gonna go. So it's just it was just like you put in a quarter newsstand, like old school, I, or was I, it a newsstand? It was a legit set up like newsstand. Said like Daily Bugle, I think across the top or something like that. And it was just full of newspapers that had like Spider Man, The Menace, or something like that. I figured the I, I've. I didn't get a good look at it. I mean, but I know for a fact it was there. What what an awesome like collectible souvenir if you happen to walk by that in New oh, York yeah. that day, right? I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. I didn't see that, you know, but that would be so cool. It's it really goes to show I'm not a big New York fan. I, I'll be I'll, I will say that outright. I am not a huge fan of New York City. I'm really not. But there's so much cool like nerd stuff and geek stuff that can just happen around that city because it's so like relevant and and so like enriched in geek culture where like i said you know they have a daily bugle stand you know they've done like so many promos just around the city like you don't realize how much stuff goes on just randomly one day i mean you know know, new york city is cool because it's got all that great culture and, and broadway and all the geek stuff and everything but the con is that that's where all the monsters and aliens attack first. So, you know, you don't want to be in New York City because you're going to be at ground zero for whatever monster, kaiju, alien, whatever attacks. They always hit, you know, Cloverfield, always hit New York first. Oh, yeah. I watched that movie the other day somehow. I don't do scary movies, but I watched a bit of that movie. Uh, I didn't last long. I I turned it off pretty soon, Uh, pretty soon after I started it, but... (laughs) Uh, You should go back and listen to the vintage episodes on the Patreon uh, because they were talking about... Like Cloverfield hasn't come out yet, 
and they're talking yeah. about the rumors of what Cloverfield's going to be in, I think, episode mm-hmm. uh, maybe 66 or 67. Um, all right, let's get back to... Back to news. Back back to news. Oh, sticking with streaming services. I'm sure we'll talk about this more next week, but Cowboy Bebop canceled already. Yeah, I mean, I kind of saw it coming because I didn't see enough positive reviews. Not saying it's bad because I'll be honest, I didn't really give it a shot because my close personal friends who are way more into this than I was outside of a few select people did not have very, very good reviews of it. So based off that, I kind of let it go. And then I started seeing other reviews from other people saying that, you know, it didn't, you know, get up to snuff with what they wanted out of the show, which is really a shame because like I was saying, I didn't want this to fail. I didn't want any of this to not work out because I do like Cowboy Bebop and I do like the idea of like introducing it to an audience again and like getting people back into the the material. It, it just sucks. That I didn't get to finish the story because I'm very sure it, it the, like the story isn't finished from when they left off in season one. Like they were setting up for a season two at least. Oh, yeah. But so so th- I think you said this before, but so anime yes. usually the the way things look is very stylized and usually yes. kind of out there maybe a little over the top and then that helps to drive the story and create the universe and when Absolutely. you take that out and put it in a realistic looking universe then it doesn't seem to translate is that what you were kind of saying because no. again exactly. I, i'm yeah. not an anime yeah. i mean i don't really follow anime so it doesn't I'm just kind of wondering why it seems to never work and what they're losing. Is it the look that they're losing? It's the look for me. It's like a feel to like, you don't realize like in an anime, they could take 10 seconds of an anime, like in in anime time, 10 seconds and make an entire episode about that 10 seconds and all the things that happened. You can't do that in live action. Like the way they can like mess with, timing and the way that they can kind of like portray things better and like there's so much more they can do with pen on paper than they can do with a human actor and then also things kind of look ridiculous in real life when you take it out of an anime and make it real like a lot of like a lot of illusion not illusion but a lot of things that look really cool in anime don't look cool in real life because it's it's not meant to look like real life. You know what I mean? I hate to say it like like that, but yeah. So again, it's just something about the genre of anime that when yes. you when you make it more realistic, it loses something, and that something is kind of at the heart of the anime, and maybe that's yes. why they're struggling to catch mainstream appeal. Absolutely. I mean, I I. I can't think of one. And if you can think of one, please call us 201-730-2547. I can't think of a truly successful, I'm not saying hasn't been okay ones or decent ones. I think Calvary Bebop might have been the best shot and the best live action interpretation of an anime possibly ever right now. I'm not saying something great can't happen later. I'm not saying there was an okay stuff before but anime portrayed in live action has not had a good track record at least in recent years if there's something else i can't think of then like i said call let us know but 
it just doesn't translate well into live action media. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I've given the reasons and there's still more I can't even think of right now and better ways I could probably describe it, but it just, it doesn't work. And it's a shame. It really is a shame because a lot of people are kind of, they're stuck behind the stigma of, oh, anime has a stigma. I feel like of like for the outside world, like you're too nerdy. If you watch anime, if you watch anime, you're at a point of geekdom where it's uncomfortable to some people. For some reason, they can't get behind anime. Right. So so it's like, okay, yeah, you like comic book movies. Oh, okay, you like animated movies. Oh, anime is like the next step, right? Anime is yeah. a certain... It, it's, yeah. I mean, because again, it's basically animated superhero types. Well, it's not always superhero type stories, though, right? It's a style of animation. Yeah. It's the Japanese style of animation that's anime. Yes. And so, but it often involves like characters with superpowers or uh, or uh supernatural eight, eight elements are typically yes. in anime right comic books is geek weed anime is geek heroin <laughs> all right and then when <laughs> because, you when you take yeah. anime manga is anime in a comic book form right yeah it's it, the manga is the, is the initial like intro for most of these things like the the big I'm watching uh, a, an anime right now called One Piece. It just hit a thousand episodes. Oh my gosh! The other it's been going since 1999. It's at it's been going in manga form since 97, continually, no breaks <laughs> really. See, so I, yeah, I just don't I don't get why it can't hit because there has to be there's a lot of anime fans. Yes. Obviously, if they can support, uh, you know shows like that for that yes. long yes i just don't understand the disconnect between taking that content putting it in a different you know in a live action format why it doesn't why it can't satisfy the core audience and it can't yeah. capture the new audience i don't understand why they're having so much trouble doing that that's, that's, you know what it is too, too i think you know what it is too when you want an anime per character to be sad you can draw exactly how sad they're supposed to be you know what I mean? Yeah. You can draw the anger. You can draw the exact way you want them to be angry, the exact way you want them to be sad. You can act as great as you want, but there's just still that disconnect sometimes where it's like, yeah, but it's not the, you know, it doesn't feel the same. You know what I mean? Like, you could be so much more pinpoint accurate when you're not dealing with people, when you're dealing with Pen on paper. <laughs> in, in in anime and even in the manga, is a, a lot of stuff happens like this is what the character's thinking and they don't say it out loud, right? But you get the thought bubbles and stuff. Is that true in anime? Like you get kind of the yeah. voiceover of what they're thinking. Yeah. So yeah. remember uh, in the David Lynch Dune, right? There was all those uh, people are thinking, oh, he's you know he's trying to trick me or whatever. Like you you've yeah. got a lot of the internal monologue. I feel like that that feels very much like what I picture anime. Like, you know, during a fight scene, oh, he's going to try to hit me from behind. Like, you know, I just, that's how I picture it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so while, while we're on the subject, though, also, uh, are you, do you follow My Hero Academia? Yes. Right? Okay. So I'm not going to give the spoiler, but apparently uh, for several years there's been a traitor, and you don't know who the traitor is, but I guess you're going to... Yeah, they, you're, just, you're gonna, they just revealed it. They just revealed it after... How long has it been going on? 
Let me a couple of years now at this point. I think like it, it's been us since I was in high school. I'm pretty sure. So 250 chapters later, you know who the yes. traitor is now. So again, yes. I mean, so obviously My Hero Academia, extremely popular, been going on for years and years and years, but there's not a live action adaptation yeah. that people like. It, was Has there been a live action adaptation of it? No. The, the last, I think, major live action adaptation of an anime I can think of was either Attack on Titan or they did a Full Metal Alchemist. Full Metal Alchemist is one of the best animes of all time, and it's short enough where, in theory, you could bang out the whole story in, like, a long season. Like, you don't need to... You, if you do, like, 15, 20 episodes, you could bang out, like, the whole, maybe, series. But the problem is taking those characters and the way they are and put and pulling it out and putting it in real life, it felt like a fan-made cosplay movie. Yeah. So, Which sucks. So do you think that just had to do with budget? Or it it just, because you're trying to put these outlandish, over-the-top anime ver- manga versions of things into the real world, it just doesn't translate? Both. Both. Yeah. That's, Absolutely I mean, it's too bad. Both. There will, there will can, be one, you, you know? I mean, because yes. think about the where the MCU is today. Yes. Think about how many bad comic book movies have think about the 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 was it roger corman fantastic four and how Ooh. how amazingly shitty that was right but again yes it, it it it's exactly the story from the comic book right these characters look like the characters look in the comic books and yet it was a horrible movie so you know i think it just somebody will get it right one of these days then that will be the stepping stone to then crack the code for translating anime to live action and again who knows people may look back and say man cowboy bebop did it right it just people just weren't ready for yeah. it you know i, 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 I mean, think i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut no, you off no go ahead i think akira has an okay shot if we can get it to go if we can start this car and get it going and i will say i i didn't read the manga but alita battle angel was a movie that came out in like 2014 i feel like mm-hmm. that was okay so i mean like i said there have been okay there hasn't been anything great but like how would be there have been okay ones so they're making strides and they're getting closer yeah they're it's building bound to happen. It. it's gonna happen it'll hit eventually yeah. yes all right let's see where are we geek stuff product reviews Let's jump. Let's jump to to product for a second. I know we already talked. We already did the D and D segment. Uh, but did you see this? I mean, I I love. I don't have a lot of Back to the Future product yeah. that I own. You know, I've got a little bit of art. I've got a, a small section on the wall of that's the Back to the Future one. But I just I like looking at the Back to the Future products. And the the latest one that I saw it was the 1985 to 2015 Official Collector's Guide hardcover book. And it's just got so oh. much, I mean, you know, it's just got all of the different uh, collector's items in the book. It just looks like a lot of fun to to see, but it's like a $60 hardcover item. I don't know that I would get it, but I would like to, I would love to, it's like a coffee table book. I'd love to to, to flip through it. There you go. Um, I know, I think Kev said that he's not a big fan of the Gentle Giant stuff these days. Did you see their uh, Ahsoka Tano figure? Uh, I think I got a chance to look at it before. Um, I'm going to take a look at it again yeah, right now. It's the one-seventh scale statue. Um, 
you can buy it from you could pre-order at Entertainment Earth with a price tag of 165 bucks. Ooh. And it's a statue, right? So again, not an action figure. I mean, again, mm-hmm. the, the likeness looks pretty good to me. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, I can't speak on anything else about the figure. I mean, they only gave a couple shots, so I mean, it looks all right from what I'm seeing. I don't hate it. I don't. The head, I'm actually kind of impressed that they got the likeness pretty down, pretty down well. Yeah, I guess maybe it's too soon because we just met her in the Mandalorian, right? You yeah. know, what if season three of the Mandalorian stinks and nobody likes Ahsoka Tano and you just dropped 165 bucks on the, I mean, not that I think, I don't think that it will, but I'm just saying, yeah. you know, it's like, okay, we've seen her in one episode. Boom. Here's a $165 figure, you know, um, that seems like a lot to me. Yeah. They, uh, can I talk product real quick? Sure. Uh, a personal, uh, real quick, personal bias. I'm a Power Rangers fan. I've talked about it before. Um, they are Hasbro is re- releasing a Power Rangers Megazord. That's the big fighting robot. They're Voltron. You know what I mean? And what's great is it's finally one. They haven't done it in a while. I feel like where you can build into it. You know, there's, you got the pieces and you put them together and you make the, mo- the the giant robot. Usually it's just the robot itself. And, you know, none of the pieces come apart, which makes me sad. Uh, my problem with this figure, it's $170. <laughs> and you're going to have to get it. It's not even just that. Like I, I'm okay skipping this because I definitely remember when I was a kid, they weren't hundred seventy dollars. The 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 I understand. Well, hey, these aren't for like kids to buy. Fresh... These are for adults with adult money to buy and spend one hundred seventy dollars like, on. You can't attack my nostalgia and throw on an extra hundred dollars. Damn you! That's exactly what <laughs> nostalgia is—an expensive drug. It is. Yeah. It's bullshit i'm i'm totally content with the power ranger shit i have in my room right now part of my french yeah um now that's from i was a is that a sideshow piece no this is from hasbro oh that's oh were, uh-oh yeah they're well hasbro owns a license so that's why okay um they're they're doing another megazord uh i feel like every other year they do something it's like oh look the original megazord they love to milk it because it's the classic one and you know they haven't done anything uh good with Megazords in a while, but that's yeah. my personal bias. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean I get it. I'm I'm looking at a, a sideshow Carnage Deluxe version, six scale figure by Hot Toys, again through Sideshow. It's available for pre order. I we'll play that we'll play the uh, the pricing game. It's got the Tom Hardy likeness with the Venom uh, you know, symbiote kind of peeling away so you see just half of the face looks looks like Tom Hardy there. Um and uh, so, what do you think? How much? How much for a six scale figure uh, with of? Is it Venom and Carnage? No, this is the Carnage Deluxe version that's got a bust of uh, of the Tom Hardy Venom with it. Uh, I'm gonna throw out five hundred. Oh man, that's good. Five ten. I think you would win on Prices Right rules there. Hey, there you go. Unless somebody see, then the next guy's gonna go five hundred and one, and then you're gonna go asshole. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think I think I saw that one at uh, at, at LA Comic Con. You know, the sideshow booth. I mean, the stuff over at sideshow is always so beautiful. Yes. And uh, you know, again, and LA Comic Con, um, you know, originated as Stan Lee's Kamikaze, right? So over yeah. at the sideshow booth, there were several uh, Stan Lee pieces that were that were pretty nice. Um, speaking of of the conventions, so the LA Comic Con 
I, we talked a little bit about it last week, and I don't think that I mentioned that uh, L.A. Comic-Con had a lot of Star Trek uh, events going on, and and the one of the biggest things there was Nichelle Nichols. This was her final con appearance. So, oh, yeah. she, you know, she she of course played Lieutenant Uhura in the original series and through all of the uh, original series movies, and uh, you know she had the first interracial kiss on television, right? But you know, so again, groundbreaking actor, and uh, but she's actually been diagnosed with dementia, and so again, she's going to kind of go out on her own terms. This was her last. Uh, con appearance but this is back to what we've been saying a lot in recent episodes when you get the opportunity take it to meet to meet your heroes to meet these actors whether it's at a con or you know whatever the opportunity if you get a chance to meet them say hello to them get a photo with them get an autograph be sure and take that when you get the chance that's really a shame you know i mean it it sucks that well, the good thing is, at least it came like, you know, people knew about it. You know, people could kind of prepare for it. It, it always sucks when it's kind of like something happens and it just suddenly like, oh, hey, if you didn't get me, you're not going to get me. You right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, well, and so we we did not do the uh, photo op that we had talked about doing. Uh, Brittany and I were thinking about getting the, the William Daniels, right? Uh, you know, Mr. Feeney, who <laughs> we talked about getting uh, his photo op. Um, you know, he was, of course, also the voice of Kit, the car from Knight Rider. Um, you know, we, we saw the panel where, uh, Mr. Feeney and a couple other characters from Boy Meets World were up there talking. And I mean, you know, he's in his nineties. He's, you know, he's getting up there and I didn't schedule, I didn't buy the, the photo op and Brittany said, she's all okay, but if he dies in the next week, that's going to be your fault. And so it's on me. So I am putting out all the positive vibes I can for William Daniels to live a long and healthy life. And, uh, hopefully at the next, uh, opportunity will uh, do the photo op with him because I did not, go. I didn't book it in time, and then uh, the time frame that he was available did not match with our LA Comic Con schedule. So, damn, yeah. Uh, all right, let me go back to. Uh, we'll finish up with a little, little bit more streaming media uh, discussion. So over on Paramount Plus, they're going to start a series of live channels. So like, oh. if you have Paramount Plus, right? Yes. You know, you can watch anything you want at any time. But then they're just going to have channels that are streaming Star Trek episodes or SpongeBob episodes or Paw Patrol episodes as if it was regular television. Does anybody want this? I don't know who's asking for it. Yeah. What does it, what does it matter if it's on? But I guess, are you the kind of person that says, I don't want to have to think about what I'm going to watch? That's I, if you want background. Right. I know I want Star Trek stuff, so I'm just going to put on the Star Trek channel from Paramount Plus and let it play in the background. Right? It's so... It's so niche like it's so extremely niche where it's like can't you just literally be like okay i'm gonna hit random on the episodes all right i'm season five of star trek i'm just gonna hit play and just they're gonna keep running like anything else isn't that just how it works anyways so yeah yeah so i don't i just don't understand why they would need to you know quote unquote broadcast it's not really broadcasting because you're watching it through a streaming service but why they would need channels playing that you don't pick the, the episode is just playing in whatever order they've decided and whatever time they decided. I just don't see any, any need for that paramount. Plus. I would love if they ran commercials for like <laughs> anything. I would love if I was stream, if I was paying for a streaming service, streaming something. And then halfway through, it's like, do you need Don detergent? 
the only thing that I would like is if they played it as if it was recorded on an old VHS tape off of the TV and it was the original <laughs> commercials that aired with, you know, episodes of whatever, the next generation back in the in the, in the 90s or the original series in the 60s. That would be interesting, but yeah, I don't see the need because if you could literally pull up any episode you want and watch it anytime you want, why would you want to watch it on somebody else's schedule? It's the same thing. Exactly. I mean, that's radio, right? Why would you want to turn on the radio and listen to somebody else's playlist? Just I heard E-Rock was saying this over on the Eteric Nagel podcast, right? Why do you want to listen to what somebody else, what what music somebody else is playing when you can literally pull up any song you want from the whole history of music and listen to whatever you want? So I guess, is that just for indecisive people? I can't decide what I want to watch, So, I'll, but I know I want to watch Star Trek. I don't know. It, it just seems like a weird thing. Uh, so moving moving over to HBO Max, right, for, for streaming services, uh, I saw an article that was basically saying uh, that their strategy to, like, play Dune opening weekend and, you know, have all those Warner Brothers films come out both in theaters and on HBO Max seemed to work because they gained quite a few uh, subscribers at a time when the streaming services were a little stagnant, it said. Hmm. So for, for perspective, it said that... Uh, HBO Max started with about 61 million subscribers, and now they're closer to 70. So, you know, I guess they got 9 million subscribers this year. That's not bad. Uh, Netflix, for for context, though, is closer to 214 million. Stars is down at 30. It doesn't tell me where uh, Disney Plus is. That would be interesting to put that in perspective. I imagine it's somewhere in the realm of Netflix numbers. I imagine it would have to be somewhere in that realm. Because, I mean, it's... If it's Netflix or Disney Plus, I feel like are now the like, oh, you need those. And then anything else after that is gravy. It, like, it's I don't a, think anyone's... Disney Plus announced today that it has about 118 million. So in, in the really? year, in the year, they went from zero to 118 because they just celebrated Disney Plus Day, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, so, 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 so uh, you know... Netflix has like how many years on them <laughs> yeah so netflix has 214 million after however long netflix has been around hbo max went from 61 to 70 and disney plus is 118 but i mean yeah that puts hbo max in pretty solid standing uh so hopefully they, they can afford that 30 million dollars they spent on the uh game of thrones sequel that our prequel that they canceled after the pilot was done yeah that sucks <laughs> i mean how bad does it have to be for you to have 30 million dollars invested in it and go Maybe we just stop here and don't ever air it. Well, I, I think the problem is that Game of Thrones hype is dead. That's it. No, just nobody cares anymore because everybody hated the final season. The so last much, season right? was yes, yeah. The last season was so atrocious. I mean, right, atrocious might be harsh. It was not up to snuff with the rest of the series. Right. I mean, you were you were the most popular thing in the world for you know, several years, and then they just shot themselves in the foot at the end. And all the goodwill, all the excitement is just evaporated. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, you literally, if you said a couple of years ago, just Game of Thrones in a room full of like 100 people, I guarantee you at least 50 people would have just stared like, oh, did you mention Game of Thrones? So and so and so. Like, people were really into the story and they were into everything about it. And now after season eight came out and just flopped <laughs> yeah, a it little just, bit. It just, it just, it didn't have a satisfying ending. It rushed the ending. Uh, and, and that's all it is. Cause I mean, even if they had 
even if they ended it the way they ended it, but they took, you know, twice as long to do it, right? If instead of just doing that over one season, they did that over two seasons and, and let that build a little bit more, it probably would have been better. It was the fact that it wasn't the satisfying ending and that it was rushed, I think. Like, those two things made it yeah. twice as bad. Six episodes, one of them completely in the dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last one kind of just like, and suddenly all these things happen. Yeah, exposition. We'll just we'll just answer it all with a with a bunch of people sitting around talking and end the show that way, right? Yes. I also I also I did read a thing that said that the, also the big problem is that once you've defeated the existential threat to the existence of all the people, the zombies, then to sit down and really discuss the politics of who should be king didn't really matter anymore. And that's yeah, kind of true that, too. That it's very anticlimactic. They definitely should not have killed the Night King in episode three of that season. They definitely should have handled it in like the second to last episode. Yeah, well, and or, I mean, it, the whole thing should not have been about the the Game of Thrones. It should not have been about the Iron Throne. It should have been about the Night King, right? If, yeah. if and again, not to, not to say that I can rewrite this thing, but if they would have united and decided who was king and then went off and defeated the Night King as a united, you know, humanity, it probably would have been a better story, right? It would have been so much better. I, I, I guess it would have, it would have at least made more sense. Yeah, I, but I don't know that it's that... a better story. I think that, that it follows the trope. And maybe that's also something that George R. R. Martin doesn't follow tropes, right? He, he, he says that he, I, I remember him describing his, his style was some writers are omniscient writers that want to control every aspect of their story and every single thing that happened. And some writers uh, kind of plant the seeds and let them grow and wherever the story goes, it goes. And I think he said that's where he is. He just kind of lets in his mind the character and the things happen and whatever needs to happen for the story happens. And if that's that a character dies, then that character dies, right? I mean, you know, so, you know, maybe that's it that, in this natural progression, the threat of the zombies happened too soon and they and the humans couldn't get their shit together and figure out who should be king and then go fight the zombies. They had to stop their stupid king squabbles and defeat the zombies and then come back and figure out who's going to be on the Iron Throne, right? Also, George R. R. Martin doesn't write books anymore because it's been like 15 years <laughs> since the last one came out, at least. Yeah. Not even exaggeration, at least 15 years. Ago. Really? Wow, that's crazy. Uh, all right, let's, so let's do one more story. Well, I guess, do you have anything else that you wanted to go over? I got one final story here, and we can wrap it up for uh, the day. Uh, I'm good. Hit me with it. So, so, did you ever watch Supergirl on the CW? I did. I did, I did give it a couple seasons. I think I gave it maybe two or three seasons. Because I didn't hate the story initially. Uh, I was also, you know, a, a, a younger man, a younger warthog. When I was a young warthog... So, you know, I think we need a stinger for that, too. We're going to have to record that, get some production. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I watched it at the beginning, too, and I, I just kind of lost interest in it. Not that it, I don't not that it got better or worse, but I just, you know, running out of time to watch TV shows. That was one of the ones that I let go by the wayside. Uh, and I certainly stuck with it longer than I did. Um, uh Gotham and you know and I never even started you know I tried to get into Arrow and I couldn't get into it and since I didn't get into Arrow when Flash comes came around I didn't even bother starting that so again I as far as the the Arrowverse or the CW DC stuff I gave it more time than others but I guess the the article that I was reading was that 
it ended and it didn't have any payoff to the the Lana Luthor, Lena Luthor and uh Supergirl um relationship. There so again they they're calling it queer baiting, right? That that there was so much of of a, a implication that there was some kind of potential a romantic relationship between those two that everybody wanted it you know there's tons of tons of fan fiction and all that stuff about it but they never they did not pay it off in the in the series finale and so people are upset about it well i mean i mean respectfully with all the most respect due if you're going to cw for great storytelling (laughs) if you're going to cw for what you want you're going to the wrong place not that the cw can't write a decent story once they get past three seasons, they're just they're just throwing names at a dartboard and scenarios and just hope and making episodes based off that. After three seasons, there's nothing coherent about any of their shows. It's a recycling. It's always a recycling. You fail this city, Arrow, Barry, Run, Flash, <laughs> go back in time and fuck something up. Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Girl Power. These are all generalizations, but I'm telling you, I just literally described four of their shows post season three accurately. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that it's, it's a valid criticism to say that the show uh, purposefully put the romantic overtones in there, but then kind of chickened out and didn't give it an explicit payoff. They didn't have them actually have a romantic relationship in the final episode, which that they could have done. So, um, yeah. again, we've been talking a lot over the last, you know, years and months about representation yes. and how it matters. And so this, this is a choice to not have the representation that they heavily implied. So again, and I, I want to say the Arrowverse is very good about their representation. They hit all of the marks that they need to hit. They make sure that everyone and everything is as represented as beautifully as possible. And I fully support all of that because it's wonderful. We do need that. You know, superheroes were straight white people for 70 years. So it's good now that we're getting the representation that they deserve. With that said, I don't know if this was it was baiting, but like I, I just I don't know if it was here. They have done great gay characters, though, and it it works. It's just, it's CW. Yeah, <laughs> they can only hit so much. Yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, yeah. What I don't know what what you expect out of out of a CW show, but anyway, that was just an article. I thought that it kind of it 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 was worth talking about there. So, um, I think with that, we should probably wrap this uh, wrap this show up. I'm sure the wrap up music's playing there let's uh, let's do the social medias one more time if you have some comments uh you'd like to share with us you might hear yourself on a future episode of geeks of tng you can call the gvm line 201-730-2547 you can also uh send us an email at geeks of tng at gmail.com be sure you're following the episode over on the Facebooks. Kev is posting lots of good stuff on the Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at GeekStuffTNG and all those places. And then uh, whatever podcatcher you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts or, or any other one, be sure to subscribe, follow, download the episodes, uh, share it with a friend, leave a positive review. And if you really want to support the show, hit us up over on the Patreon, patreon.com slash GeekStuffTNG. 
where you can have access to the Discord for a dollar a month. You can get the shows early for $3 a month. You can uh, get the bonus shows for $5 a month. That is vintage episodes of the Geek Stuff, Big Kev's Geek Stuff, as well as episodes of the Sandwich Shop from our dear sandwich here. And then for $10 a month, you can watch the Instagram Lives. Even when Kevin bails early, uh, we put a couple of cans and string together and still managed to get the episode out on the Instagram Live. So check us out on, on all of those. If you would like to uh, keep up with your intrepid, unpaid producer, uh, West Coast Scott, you can find me as Scott on the Instagram. It's at Scott on Twitter and at Scott one on the Instagram. What about you, Sandwich? You can find me on Xbox One, in theory, and Instagram at Fat Dumbledore, F-A-T-D-O-M-B-L-E-D-O-R-E. Is your Harry Potter reference going to get old, or is the you know, the Secrets of Dumbledore is the new... I mean, you know, so it's like you're only getting more relevant with your Instagram uh, headline. I think maybe we're going to get some, uh, some new drops from... Uh... I, I, it has become my, like internet handle when i'm playing games to the point it i i that's just what i am now like on the pc when i play on pc it's fat dumbledore still like it's not like it's not xbox only it's just if i'm playing video games i'm fat dumbledore somewhere yeah you can't you can't get rid of it it's, it's one of those with the nickname sticks and then it's there and then that's how people know you so that's what they're going to call you um yeah. all right well i think with that did we say that what was the title of this episode uh, monogamy, D&D kills monogamy. D&D kills, D&D killed the monogamy star. Uh, with that, Mr. Sandwich, we will end this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode 663, the one we titled D&D killed monogamy, by saying... Good night, Lena Wartmuller. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music.
All right, hey. All right, good job, guys. Uh, let's just not come in tomorrow. Let's just take a day.